In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace into the mystery of Jesus Christ's passion, death, and resurrection. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his paschal mystery and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the third Sunday of Lent, Lectionary Year B. I mentioned the lectionary year this week because if the first scrutiny for the elect is celebrated in your parish today, the scripture readings are different as they are from lectionary year A, centered around the gospel episode of Jesus and the woman of Samaria. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the word of God is a familiar voice on this podcast, Origin of Alexandria. Regarded as an ancient Christian writer, he undeniably influenced some of the great fathers of the church, as well as believers and theologians throughout the centuries. He was the oldest of seven children, born around the year 185 into a very devout Christian family. In the year 202, a persecution of Christians erupted, and while many fled, Origen's family remained, resulting in the arrest and eventual execution of his father, Leonidas. At the young age of 17 or 18, Origen penned an exhortation to martyrdom to his imprisoned father, with the intent of strengthening his father's resolve to remain steadfast in his witness to Jesus Christ. Following his father's martyrdom, Origen continued his insatiable thirst for knowledge and availed himself of some of the finest teachers in Alexandria. Origen soon discovered, however, a second love, that of teaching. While Origen was a gifted teacher in many fields of human knowledge, it was love of sacred scripture that seized him to the core. The local bishop asked Origen to prepare catechumens for baptism within the context of the Alexandrian catechetical school founded earlier by Pantaneus and enhanced by St. Clement of Alexandria. Building on their foundation, Origen's contributions resulted in the Alexandrian Catechetical School becoming the premier center for Christian theology. Due to some unfortunate difficulties with the local bishop, 
as well as an invitation from the bishops of Caesarea, Origen left Alexandria for the Holy Land. He produced even more commentaries on scripture and honed his allegoric method for biblical exegesis. In the year 250, another round of persecutions erupted, this time under the emperor Dacius. Origen was imprisoned, and according to some of his biographers, Origen was tortured severely and then given a period to recuperate, only to have the pattern of torture and re recuperation repeated. The emperor did not want Origen to die a martyr, but wanted to break his faith and commitment to the person Jesus. Such did not occur, and because of his faithfulness, history has bestowed upon him the title Adamantus, hard as diamond or man of steel. When the persecutions ended and Origen released from prison, he died about six months later, around the year 254. Origen was a prolific writer and homilist. A number of his writings are extant, and on this Sunday, we listen to an excerpt from his work entitled Commentary on John, Pondering the Episode of Jesus Cleansing the Temple, proclaimed at Mass this Sunday. The podcast description also contains a link to an article at my blog site on the significance of biblical signs. And now, from Origen's commentary on the Gospel of John. We must, however, address a most necessary point concerning the deity to him also from these words. If Jesus says that the temple in Jerusalem is the house of his own father, and this temple was constructed for the glory of him who created the heaven and the earth, are we not taught openly to consider the Son of God to be a son of none other than the creator of heaven and earth? Since it is a house of prayer, the apostles of Christ, too, are commanded by the angel to enter this house of Jesus' Father, as we have found in the Acts of the Apostles, and to stand and speak to the people all the words of this life. But also, because they are entering a house of prayer to pray there, they approach through the beautiful gate. They would not have done this had they not have known that he was the same God with the one worshipped by those who consecrated that shrine. This is why both Peter and the apostles, who obey God rather than men, say, The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. They know that Jesus had been raised from the dead by no other God than the God of the fathers. This is the one Christ also glorifies and says that he is the God of Abraham and Isaac 
and Jacob, who are not dead, but living. Furthermore, if the house of Christ's God were not the house of the same God, how would the disciples have remembered what is said in Psalm 68? The zeal of your house has devoured me. For that is what is stated in the prophet, and not devours me. Now Christ is especially jealous for the house of God in each of us, not wishing it to be a house of merchandise, nor the house of prayer become a den of thieves, since he is son of a jealous God. This is the case if we understand such words from Scripture in a reasonable manner, which were spoken metaphorically from the human viewpoint to set forth the fact that God wishes nothing alien to his will to be mingled with the soul of any men, but especially with the soul of those who wish to receive the teachings of the most divine faith. However, we must know that Psalm 68, which contains the statement, Zeal of your house has devoured me, and a little later, they gave me gall for my food, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink, both having been recorded in the Gospels, is placed in the mouth of Christ, indicating no change in the person of the speaker. Now, it follows from his viewpoint that the statement, they gave me gall for my food, which is recorded in the same psalm, was also spoken by them. The phrase, shall devour me, probably bothered him, because he thought it impossible for Christ to say such a thing, since he is not aware of the custom of using words with human feelings of God and Christ. The Jews therefore answered and said to him, What sign do you show us, seeing that you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews now seem to me to signify those who are corporeal and friends of sense perceptions, who, in addition to those expelled by Jesus, make the Father's house a house of merchandise. Because they are angered in the interest of the things he mistreated, they demand a sign by which the word, whom they do not accept, will appear to have properly acted in these manners. The Savior, however, by joining as one saying about his own body with that about the temple, answers the question, What sign do you show us, seeing that you do these things? With, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. For although he could have shown them as many as 10,000 other signs, this was by no means the case in relation to the clause, seeing that you do these things. 
he responded appropriately with matters concerning the temple in place of other signs unrelated to the temple. Both, however, I mean the temple and Jesus' body, according to one interpretation, appear to me to be a type of the church, that is, the church, being called a temple, is built of living stones, becoming a spiritual house for a holy priesthood built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the chief cornerstone. And through the saying, now you are the body of Christ and members in part, we know that even if the harmony of the stones of the temple appeared to be destroyed, or, as it is written in Psalm 21, all the bones of Christ appear to be scattered in persecutions and afflictions by the plots of those who wage war against the unity of the temple by persecutions. The temple will be raised up, and the body will arise on the third day, after the day of evil, which threatens it, and the day of consummation which follows. For the third day will dawn in the new heaven and the new earth, when these bones, the whole house of Israel, shall be raised up on the great day of the Lord, once death has been conquered. Consequently, the resurrection of Christ too, which followed from his passion on the cross, contains the mystery of the resurrection of the whole body of Christ. Just as that perceptible body of Christ has been crucified, buried, and afterwards raised up, so the whole body of the saints of Christ have been crucified with Christ and now no longer live. For each of them, like Paul, boasts in nothing else than in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom he has been crucified to the world and the world to him. He has therefore not only been crucified with Christ and crucified to the world, but he is also buried with Christ. For we were buried with Christ, Paul says. And if he has attained some pledge of the resurrection, he says, we were raised with him, since he walks in a certain newness of life, inasmuch as he is not yet arisen, so far as concerned that anticipated blessed and perfect resurrection. He has, therefore, either now been crucified, and after these things is buried, or he is now buried, having been removed from the cross, and at some time, insofar he has now been buried, he will arise. All holy men and women, pray for us. Let us pray. O God, author of every mercy and of all goodness, who in fasting, prayer, and almsgiving 
have shown us a remedy for sin? Look graciously on this confession of our lowliness, that we who are bowed down by our conscience may always be lifted up by your mercy. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. <laughs>